Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. We've made it to a Friday. It's Friday, March 24th. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We have Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We have Sweet 16 action that was unbelievable from last night. We'll also try to set the scene. I don't know if we can replicate uh, last night's Sweet 16 action in tonight's games, but I'm certainly sure teams will try. We'll dive into all of that. We'll take your calls today around 10.30 and 11.15. is the number. But as we typically do, we set the scene with today's poll questions and we'll get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Who wins the West region? Region on Saturday, UConn or Gonzaga. UConn and Gonzaga, of course, being the two teams that uh, made it through yesterday's action. And Gonzaga remains out in front, 60% of the vote. UConn sitting at 40%, Bob. UConn's rolled to three victories so far. I don't have the differential in front of me, but they've not been really challenged in really the last 10 minutes of any of these games. I might even be conservative with that 10-minute thing. And uh, needless to say, Gonzaga's had to rally in the second half to win its last two games. Uh, you know I, you know how I was uh, wanting Northwestern to go as far as they could just so I could keep saying boo-booey? Well, now yeah. I'm all on the Sunogo bandwagon because, <laughs> okay. yeah, I, I, I want to keep saying that. So let's go UConn, right? Okay, we got to do what you got to do. All right. We're just trying to have a little fun here on a Friday. Uh, Fun's a good thing. I vote for fun. Yep. We move along to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Who do you have tonight? ATS in Kansas City, Texas, or Xavier? You had a conversation with Adam Baum from the Cincinnati Inquirer. And if you missed that, you can always podcast over at KDUS1060.com or with the KDUS 1060 app. The question, though, Texas minus four and a half, Xavier plus four and a half numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And Texas. Opening up a bigger lead, 71.4% of the vote. Xavier, 28.6%. Yeah, I'm not about fun in this game. I, you know, I just, I'm concerned about Xavier's depth or lack thereof. They weren't the deepest team in the world before the Fremantle injury. And now, they're, as we talked about in the, with Adam earlier last hour, that you know, they're basically down to six and a half players now. They were pretty much seven before. <laughs> so that's when they were at full strength. In Texas, they keep sending, especially big guys, they've just got a rotation of big guys. They keep sending them out there, and they basically play nine guys. So I think that's the the biggest obstacle for uh, Sean Miller and Xavier in this game. We'll answer this question around 11.30 today. As I mentioned, it's a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Visit them, 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler, and you know the $100 gift certificate is available to you, but not quite yet. Here are the weekend specials. Butcher Blend 8-ounce beef steak skewers at 2 for $15, prime pork country-style ribs at $4.99 a pound, and boneless 8-ounce chicken skewers, Butcher's Blend 
or rosemary garlic at two for twelve dollars. That's over at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits and Von Hansen's Meats.net. As I mentioned, we were treated to some games yesterday to start the Sweet 16, and it got started with game number one yesterday afternoon, Michigan State in Kansas State. It ended up being the first overtime game of this NCAA tournament so far. Michigan State was led by A.J. Hoggard's 25 points. Joey Hauser added in 18 points on four of nine from behind the arc. Tyson Walker, when we were talking about that point guard matchup, he uh, had 16 points, 11 of which came in the second half, including the bucket to go to overtime. But I guess here for K-State, Keontae Johnson, 22 points, and then Marquise Noel, that guard, 20 points, 19 assists, and just two turnovers, and he did it on what looks like a really gruesome ankle injury, and he continued to play well after it. That's true. He did. I mean, he was really good. Obviously, that's an all-time record. Uh, Broke Mark Wade's record from the UNLV days, and uh, contrary to popular belief, Mark Wade did not play on, uh, with Larry Johnson. Mark Wade was like in the 1988 team, for instance, that went to the Final Four with uh, Armand Gilliam, f- former son, and Freddie Banks. Uh, he had the record uh, since 1988 uh, with the 18 assists, but it was pretty amazing. Yeah, You mentioned the first overtime game took 57 games before we got to an overtime game in the NCAA tournament this year. Um, you know, the first, uh, you, know, you know, I don't know if it was the, I think it was the best NCAA tournament game. And I actually, you know, jotted this down before last night. I think this is the best game since the UCLA Gonzaga game in 2021. Uh, so not knowing at the time that we might have a pretty good uh, UCLA Gonzaga game last night. We'll get to that eventually. But Noel was tremendous. Uh, you know, he had, uh, and both these teams, you know, they, they shot the three really well in this game. They combined to make half of their 48 three-point field goals, which I'm pretty sure is 50%. You know, 24-48, pretty positive about that. I was not the accountant in the family, however. And uh, Kansas State now 5-0 and zero in overtime games this season. And uh, it was, you know, the showdown of the, uh, you know, the New York City point guards. And, you know, both those guys obviously made some plays. Noel definitely made some plays. And, you know, Michigan State on the other side. It was, uh, you know, Tyson Walker was really good. You mentioned Hogard. You know, he, he scored some points, but he also, you know, made the two, you know, defensive plays that doomed Michigan State. And they did a really good job illustrating uh, his defensive gaffes on the two biggest possessions of the game. Uh, watch the CBS uh, Sports Network roundup last night. Uh, with Adam Zucker and uh, and Steve Lapis is the one that really pointed this out, and uh, Hogard's defense was atrocious uh, on uh, the two biggest possessions of the game, unfortunately for him. So it ended up being a K-State victory, 98-93 in overtime. And how about this alley-oop from Noel uh, to Keontae Johnson? It looked like he was talking to Jerome Tang about what to run. They were kind of in a disagreement, maybe a little bit, about what play to run uh, in the half court there. And then he just caught uh, Keontae Johnson uh, cutting to the basket with a perfect lob and an unbelievable finish there. Uh, So I guess that's what you get from Noel, right? That's true. You do. I mean, uh, you get some shots where you kind of go, what's he thinking? And uh, yeah, he threw in a few of those shots earlier in the tournament. Yesterday, he missed some of those shots, too. And uh, yeah, I think they were actually somewhat fortunate that one of those three-pointers actually got blocked and it was overturned by replay. 
Yeah, that was late in the game there. Uh, it was right. kind of an ill-advised uh, time on the shot clock as well as where he was behind the arc, and it just in the, the fingertips of the Michigan State player, and they were able to inbound it. And then that was where Hoggard's defense probably wasn't so. He was caught sleeping there. Yeah, a couple times, the inbounds pass and so forth. And, uh, you know, Hogard really had some issues uh, at that end of the floor. But, uh, you know, Tom Izzo was complaining. He didn't think his team played very well. I disagree. I watched Michigan State play a lot this season, and I don't think they could really play much better. They couldn't shoot much better. Uh, and they didn't shoot well at all the first two games of the tournament, and they shot horribly uh, when they got eliminated in the first in their first game of the Big Ten tournament against Ohio State of all teams. But they, they made shots yesterday, and I actually thought this was a, a really good game. And, uh, you know, I know that uh, Izzo you know, didn't like the way – didn't think his team played that well, but I, I tend, to, tend to disagree with uh, the Hall of Fame coach, so shame on me, I guess. Well, you're 100% right that it was a great game from start to finish. I think you, you maybe kind of saw Kansas State get some momentum going on their side, and then the Noel ankle injury um, – kind of yeah. changed the perception of things and Michigan State was able to go on a little bit of a run and then it ended up kind of settling out into what it became for the second half there but I also thought it was interesting that Tom Izzo's comments after the game at least immediately he called some of the shots from Kansas State as lucky and he used that term lucky and I'm like well yes but that's also um, part of the game in addition to you left some guys wide open as well on the defensive end so I didn't I didn't think that that was great of him to use the term lucky in immediate response to the loss. Yeah, they did bank in a couple threes. I assume that's what he was referring to. It was, to yes. Yeah. Yeah, and the one was Noel as he would just injured his his ankle there and he was kind of sliding all over the place yeah. on the ankle and he threw it up, shot clock winding down and it banked in and went in. And I understand how that goes. Uh, but it really was a fun Fun way to start the Sweet 16, and Kansas State will be moving on. The next game, not so fun. Not as much intrigue, not as much uh, drama. UConn basically just worked Arkansas from start to finish, 88-65. to Devontae Davis, who was one of the heroes in the game for Arkansas against Kansas, uh, with 25 points, not so against UConn with just three points. Jordan Hawkins for UConn, 24 points on 6 of 13. And my man Sonogo, 18 points on 9 of 11 with eight boards. This game kind of was the, the the mismatch that I suspected it might be. You know, Connecticut played like a top ten team for a lot of the season, and they certainly did yesterday. And you know, I mentioned several times this week that Arkansas they've been you know below average for most of the year, and I think they were certainly worse than below average yesterday. And this was just a you know mismatch in every way. You can just pick your favorite stat here. I mean, UConn shot 57%, Arkansas shot 31%. Uh, UConn was plus 12 at rebounding. And uh, the Huskies are on to the Elite Eight for the first time since 2014. Uh, yeah, and, and I think here that um, we thought that UConn was going to be the better team and that we had questions and concerns about Arkansas, but did we really see uh, a 20-point victory coming out of this game? Not 20, but, I mean, I thought that the three-and-a-half-point number was really kind of thin, as I mentioned uh, various times during the last few days before the game. Tennessee was out to a lead on Florida Atlantic, and then Florida Atlantic came storming back to win 62-55. to 
How about this? The Owls actually out-rebounded the bigger Tennessee volunteer team 40-36, to and the Owls also were able to get 12 offensive rebounds. Despite FAU, and we had talked about this yesterday, being a strong team from behind the arc, they were just 8 of 27 from 3. However, 5 of those 8 came in that second-half run. Yeah, they're actually. I heard a thing on ESPN this morning, and I, you know, didn't have time to jot it down. I was doing too many things simultaneously. Uh, but they mentioned that this is—they're the worst shooting team that has made it to the Sweet 16. You know, their first three games of the tournament in like 20 years or something like that. You know, they have not shot well. They only shot 42 percent yesterday, 30 behind the arc. Uh, as you mentioned, they had a rebounding advantage. They also. Had a 14 to 12 edge in second half points, and it really kind of appeared to be. You know, Tennessee led this game 39-33, and I think they kind of uh, you know, appeared headed to one of their kind of systematic, boring, ugly victories. And but at that point, it was you know 39 to 33, and then you, Florida Atlanta goes on a 20 to four run <laughs> to take control and. Yeah, the, another thing I'm really confused about is you know, they don't want to be called FAU, but they apparently have you know, warm-ups that have FAU in the back of their warm-ups, but they don't want to be called that. So whatever. All right. Well, Florida Atlantic University uh, behind Dusty yeah. May is the head coach, fifth year. They are advancing to the Elite Eight. Though when it comes to Tennessee, um, they were a confusing team all year long. I mean, defensively, we knew what they were capable of doing. They bullied uh, Duke, didn't really bully Florida Atlantic University. Uh, but again, we knew that they had some dry spells offensively. Well, and I don't think there's, you know, two things I think that definitely happened yesterday, and we'll get to UCLA, I'm sure, momentarily. But the injuries caught up to teams, and I don't think there's any doubt that eventually it sure seemed like that uh, that Tennessee was gonna, you know, you're really you're certainly gonna miss, uh, you know, the, 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 their point guard and uh, and Ziegler is he was actually not just a point guard. I mean, he led the SEC in assists, uh, and uh, but he injured his knee on February the 28th, and you know, he actually just had surgery this week. Finally got around to the surgery, and the turnovers really kind of ballooned in games that he wasn't playing. You know, without him yesterday, they don't have a backup point guard, basically. And Vescovy, who is their shooter, uh, really was, you know, basically, he's the guy that usually Ziegler's setting up for. And Vescovy is, like, trying to run an offense yesterday. And I think that that was a real problem in the second half of this game. You mentioned Gonzaga and UCLA. Let's get into it here. UCLA had a 46-33 lead at half, but then the Zags uh, ended up coming back in that second half. Before we get into the heroics that took place, I just kind of want to get your interpretation of how that second half went. Do you think that the injuries to Clark, Bona didn't play, kind of started to catch up to UCLA, maybe ran out of gas a little bit, and those injuries ended up being a problem? for them in trying to keep pace with the offensively explosive Zags. Totally. I mean, I'm almost certain that UCLA wins this game if they're healthy. Uh, Jalen Clark, we knew he wasn't going to play. You know, he's been declared out. He was declared out for the season, the week of the Pac-12 tournament with the torn Achilles. So we knew that. We wondered yesterday while we were on the air whether Adam Bona was going to, uh, Dean Bona, excuse me, was going to play. Uh, he has the left shoulder injury. And then we found out yesterday afternoon pretty early, certainly at the betting market, 
certainly believed he wasn't going to play because Gonzaga, for most in most locations, ended up as a favorite in this game by the time it actually tipped off. Uh, so we knew that was going to happen. And David, David Singleton, excuse me, uh, yeah, he suffered the uh, the knee problem or the ankle injury, excuse me, leg injury in the final seconds of the game against Northwestern. And he played, I mean, he played a lot. He played like 38 minutes, but he couldn't move. Uh, and that was pretty obvious from the start. He only made two out of seven shots. And his whole thing is, you know, shooting the ball. And uh, those three things, I, if those guys are healthy, I, I think it's highly unlikely uh, that Gonzaga wins this game. By the numbers, Drew Timmy, 36 points on 16 of 24, 13 rebounds. Jaime Jaquez, 29 points, 12 of 25, 11 boards. And Tyga Campbell, 14 points and 9 assists. But, of course, we have the heroics here. The, the Zags on a Julian Strother 3 won the game 79-76. It, it was shot with 7.2 seconds to play. And then social media erupted with the Zags running the Chris Jenkins play from Villanova to win the the championship and Strother basically hit this thing from the logo. Yeah, I think there's kind of three things that have been forgotten because of the dramatics at the end of the game. First up, Gonzaga almost had a colossal, 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 colossal. Yeah, that too. A big time collapse. Trying to convince, I'm trying to combine words. Uh, they had a 10 point lead with two minutes and 30 seconds to go, and they spit that all away. Uh, also, I think forgotten is the fact that Timmy missed two free throws that left the door open for UCLA. And then the third thing is that Mick Cronin was just stubborn to double-team Timmy, who did 36 points and four assists in this game. Yeah, you're 100% right on the Bruins almost came back down eight with 105 to go and to be in the position that they were and then the Zags having to run that play uh, that, of course, took social media by storm but it was almost a collapse but it ended up being a really good game so to you did it live up to the the bill of what we thought about going into this contest yeah it was fun i mean it was also in the 17 year anniversary when gonzaga choked away the game against ucla and adam morrison's final game uh you know like as i mentioned the anniversary of that game 17 years ago to the day and it was almost just exactly the same type of ending without the uh, you know, last couple of uh, you know, heroic possessions uh, from each side with Bailey and then obviously Strother's shot. Uh, but you know, there, was a, there was a whole lot going on here, and I think because of the dramatic ending that people forgot about the other things. And I believe Adam Morrison is on the radio broadcast he for is. Gonzaga, so at least he that got to, to call the game winner for himself. Yeah, <laughs> if they lost that game, I mean, he, he was left crying on the floor. When they lost the game in, in you know, 17 years ago, so I don't know if you've been crying on a, and doing the, the radio commentary for Gonzaga last night, but uh, I, I assume he kind of must have thought, oh my God, I'm doing this again. Uh, and they, they blew big leads in both those games. Devastation, I think, would definitely be in full effect if they wouldn't have won the game and, and uh, ended up blowing it down eight with 105 to go. But um, really fun 
Thursday to start the Sweet 16. We'll get into Friday's Sweet 16 matchups on the other side of the break. Also seeing a couple of names for ASU entering the transfer portal. So we'll get into that as well on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you, and that $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits still on the horizon. A lot of fun here on this Friday, March 24th. Your morning drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. March 24th, Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We'll get into the Sweet 16 action for tonight in just a moment, but I do want to pass along seeing this here. Reports from On3.com's Joe Tipton that uh, two players from Arizona State have entered into the transfer portal guard, DJ Horn, as well as Jemiah Neal. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean because you enter the portal that you leave. Most of the time, you do. But there have been guys that have stayed and not uh, found, uh, you know, better situations elsewhere. So, you know, obviously Horn had some really good moments this year. And you know, had the one situation where he was suspended for a game. I forgot what road trip that was, but uh, got suspended uh, for the uh, second half of a two-game Pac-12 road trip and. I don't know if that plays a role here or not. Uh, and as far as Neal, he was a guy that really improved. You remember he was injured, came back, and he had some really important games, big games for them towards the end of the season. The USC game where I think we're pretty sure now if they don't win that game in the Pac-12 tournament, the issue is not in the NCAA tournament. And uh, you know, so he's a guy that uh, maybe he doesn't get enough shots because um, they got plenty of guys that take shots. So, but you know, I'm, I'm also not completely sure who actually is you know, exhausted their eligibility uh, because of the, uh, you know, the COVID year and everything in the transfer portal. I'm, I'm confused. So I'm not exactly sure who actually is coming back for sure, uh, whether it's portal or no portal. Well, I do know for sure in terms of like players coming back because there's been all sorts of jokes about it, but Armando Baycott for UNC, uh, yeah. and there's no no doubt why he's coming back with potentially upwards of $500,000 uh, in NIL money. Like, of course you're going to come back. That's true, and I really wonder if he's an NBA player or not, too. Um, I mean, he's a tremendous college player, a lot like Drew Timmy in a way that uh, you know, he uh, – you know, there's not many guys that can defend the rim and the post in college basketball, and uh, Baycott is a rebounding machine. And uh, quite frankly, he didn't get the ball enough nearly as often as he should have at Carolina this year because the guards seem to be just interested in scoring points. And uh, I, think I think you can say that North Carolina's guard play was rather selfish this year. 
All right, let's get to it. Tonight's slate of Sweet 16 games, and we'll get things started with the 3.30 p.m. on TBS game, San Diego State and Alabama. San Diego State plus 7.5, Alabama minus 7.5. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Alabama plays fast, fifth in the country with just about 73 possessions per game. San Diego State plays slow, ranks 263rd nationally with less than 66 possessions per game. So, uh, this is going to be a battle of whose style of play wins out. Yeah, I like San Diego State in this game. I took some eight earlier in the week. Uh, they they go nine deep, and I think that's important. If you, you know, Alabama is obviously a deep team, and and uh, the difference is, you know, Alabama does have the two senior guards that keep bringing. Well, they're not both senior guards. They're, they're, you know, basically, they're experienced guards. Uh, who have, uh, you know, they've been around for a while. And pretty much everybody else on their team that plays is a freshman. As far as uh, San Diego State, they go nine deep. They have seven seniors amongst those nine guys. And they have a tremendous bench. And they have a a bench that scores. Uh, They're one of the highest scoring benches in college basketball. And also, uh, you know, they've... uh, They've done a really good job in their last three games. They're good defensively. They've been good defensively forever. But uh, they've been really good, even better than usual. The last three games against Utah State, Charleston, and Furman, they have held all three of those opponents to season-low point totals for the season. So we'll see how this goes. Also, uh, you know, no Mountain West team is in the Mountain West Conference as it's been constructed. I mean, there's been some teams that are in the Mountain West now that have had NCAA tournament success in the past, like UNLV. But no Mountain West team since this group has you know, been together has ever made it past the Sweet 16. So I guess that's a negative. But I'm on the uh, I'm on the San Diego State side in this game plus the points. Uh, then you move into the 4.15 p.m. game on CBS. Miami plus 7.5, Houston minus 7.5. Injuries, how will Marcus Sasser be for Miami? Uh, Omir had the ankle in the ACC tournament but has been a beast in the NCAA tournament. 19 points and 31 boards in the first two games. And then also this might be a stunner here for Miami. As a team, they had 20 offensive rebounds against Indiana. 20. Houston obviously is a team that can rebound. Miami's a team that wants to get up and down the court. Yeah, I wouldn't pay attention to that rebounding stat too much because at least uh, 10 of those rebounds came in the last few minutes of the game after Indiana just flat quit after they fell behind a disgusting, in my opinion, uh, I'm just going to give it up and I'm not, you know, we're done. I'm going to, I'm taking my toys and going home mentally. Uh, so I wouldn't pay any attention to that. As far as the Houston injuries, you know, I think that's the biggest thing here. You know, Marcus Sasser and uh, you know, Jamal Shedd, they've both been plagued with leg injuries, or a groin injury for Sasser and a lower leg injury for Shedd. They both seem to think, at least they said yesterday, you know, they're not going to come out and I'll think the day before the game and said, well, I'm really hurt and I don't know if I'm going to make it. Uh, but you know, they're, they're going to play. And they, they, they mentioned yesterday, they both talked about that after their press conference after their practice yesterday that they feel better now than they have for a while. So that's a good thing for them. Uh, this is a game I have no idea. Uh, at least I have no clue what's going to happen in this game. No score would surprise me. You've got a high-scoring team that doesn't guard anybody in Houston, and you've got a lower-scoring team that guards like crazy and gets every loose ball in Houston. 
Well, Houston, if they want to make it to the Final Four and play in their home state, in their home city, they got to start with this one at 4.15 on CBS. Then the around 6 p.m. game on TBS is Princeton and Creighton. Princeton plus 10.5, Creighton minus 10.5. Numbers coming from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Creighton season started off slow despite some high hopes. Now they are 14-4 and four in their last 18 games and rank in the top 25 in both adjusted offensive and defensive efficiencies. Meanwhile, Princeton showed that they could win in different ways against a U of A team as well as against a Mizzou team. But will they have have enough to contend with all the different options that Creighton has. I've got them plus 10. I got Princeton getting 10 in this game. And you know, you mentioned uh, yeah, Creighton actually started fast and then Colt Brenner got hurt and then uh, got actually got sick. Uh, he had mono. Uh, and then they had that ridiculous bad stretch. And uh, was that was late uh, November, early December, something like that. Uh, preseason court, you know, so non-conference play, right? Uh, and then they, since then they've been pretty good. I've talked about Creighton a lot. I've you know, kind of they've driven me nuts uh, for much of the season. Yeah, Princeton they actually started the season zero and two, including they lost to Navy in one of those games to start the season. And Navy's not exactly a basketball factory since David Robinson left, which was a hundred years ago. The thing, the biggest surprise about Princeton these first two games is, you know, they out-rebounded the U of A, had more block shots in the U of A. Not that surprising that they out-rebounded Missouri because, you know, you, I, and three of our friends could probably out-rebound Missouri. Uh, but the fact that they've been so good on the boards and, you know, they've got guys, that they've got skill. And we talked about this before they played the U of A. They have some skilled players. They want to get up and down and score. I think a lot of people just kind of you know, have the wrong, you know, the impression of Princeton basketball because of the old days when they, you know, run 30 seconds off the clock and try to get a backdoor layup, and that's how they beat UCLA back in '94, '95, somewhere in there, uh, maybe '96. I remember where I watched that bar. I watched that bar in Wrigleyville in a bar, so that's it's got to be somewhere in that that three or four year time frame. Uh, but they they play much differently now, and uh, you know they they want to get up and down a little bit, and they've got some guy they've got some skilled offensive players who can you know, you know shoot, and uh, they still do some backdoor stuff and and so forth. But uh, you know they're far more skilled now than they were back in the day, so to speak. Uh, we will get to our specific answers of this game in around 1130 as we answer the poll question on Twitter. But that game being Xavier and Texas, Xavier plus four and a half, Texas minus four and a half. It's a around a 645 p.m. start on CBS. Uh, it's funny that, you know, Xavier's weakness right now is defense, knowing the background of Sean Miller. Uh, Texas is now ranked, though, top 10 in adjusted offensive and a defensive efficiency. Xavier's Drome Hunt. Hunter is averaging 19 points per game in the first two games of this tournament. Meanwhile, Dylan DeSue has been playing really, really well for Texas. Yeah, absolutely he has. And it, it's been – he has not been playing well all season long, that's for sure. Uh, but, you know, lately – and, uh, you know, they've got three or four big guys that just kind of rotate in and out, and whoever is, you know, effective gets to stay in the game. <laughs> it's kind of how that works, plays the most minutes. But uh, he was obviously dominating – in their last victory. So we'll see what happens tonight as far as that goes. You know, as far as Xavier's defense is actually much better now, oddly enough, since uh, Fremantle's not playing. 
as we talked about with Adam Baum from the Cincinnati Enquirer and the Sports Zone today. Uh, and that's because you know, basically you know, Jerome Hunter is the guy that has you know, gotten that playing time, and he's a far better defender than Fremantle. He doesn't have the offensive skill set that Fremantle does, but uh, you know, their defensive numbers have been much better in the last you know, seven or eight games now with Hunter as the main dude. Well, right now, the time is winding down. Pick the winner of the Basketball Bonanza by going to KDOS1060.com and entering the Basketball Blitz contest from Desert Diamond Casino West Valley. If you correctly pick the winner, you go into one big pot for your chance at $2,000. Time is expiring on this opportunity. And while you're at it, check out Desert Diamond Casino West Valley and watch the games at Winner's Sports Bar. Winner's Sports Bar is serving up great food and drinks surrounded by wall-to-wall screens plus Arizona's best local local sports book and kdos1060.com basketball blitz contest enter your chance to win for two thousand dollars correctly pick the winner of the basketball tournament 602-260-1060 if you'd like to join the program on the other side of the break we'll take your calls we'll get into some sons conversation as well 602-260-1060 it is the extra point on this friday march 24th bob kemp kayla mortellaro with you Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. On this Friday, March 24th, Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The Suns are back on the court tonight in Sacramento. 7 p.m. start on Valley Sports Arizona. In fact, it's going to be a back-to-back for the Suns as Saturday night they're hosting the 76ers here in Phoenix. But Monty Williams, he's $20,000 lighter. The NBA is fining him $20,000 for his public criticism of the officiating, which was officially announced today by Joe Dumars, executive vice president, head of basketball operations. And, of course, these comments in in, in results of the Suns' 122-111 to loss, but when it was the 46-20 to foul shot disparity and Monty Williams' comments about that. So $20,000 lighter for him. Yeah, as I mentioned yesterday, I really didn't watching that game. I didn't think they were getting hosed by the officials or anything. They just don't get to the basket, and uh, you know they're mid-range shooting guys, and uh, you know they're playing the Lakers, and the Lakers go to the basket, including Austin Reeves, who went to the basket whenever he wanted. And I was actually talking to somebody about this yesterday afternoon, and one thing I didn't mention yesterday that I certainly should have, so I'm going to do it now because I don't want to forget it again is that you know the Suns are really bad keeping opponent guards out of the paint, and that is going to get you into trouble and into foul problems immediately almost every night. Yeah, I, I think you have a point there. And the, the foul discrepancy has been an issue all season long because we talked about it. They, they shoot a lot of mid-range jumpers, uh, which doesn't really put them in a position of driving to the hoop. So the disparity is always there. I would say, f- for me watching that game, that there was 
a few fouls that didn't really seem like fouls. So 46 seemed to be quite excessive, but it, it still would have been a, a pretty big margin. If you're thinking 20 to, to 35 foul shots, 20 to, to 40 foul shots, it still would have been uh, in line with what we've been consistently seeing. Yeah, just look at the perimeter players. I think this has been the biggest drop-off since we don't uh, get to watch you know, Mikhail Bridges play defense every night, and Cam Johnson for that matter. But, yeah, Devin Booker, yeah, he's gotten better on defense, but you know, keeping guys out of the paint's probably not his strength. Chris Paul used to be a tremendous defender. He doesn't keep anybody out of the paint anymore. And, you know, you know, campaign is just a bad defender. Uh, so that, that's kind of a, that, that's the bad place to start. And, uh, yeah, and it's just been, they don't, other than Aiton, they don't have anybody that really defends the screen role very well as far as the big guys, other than Durant, who, you know, we've seen very little, unfortunately, unfortunately little of him. Uh, so they're, they're in a spot and that's not going to change. I don't think any, and, uh, they just kind of have to outscore their opponents at this point. According to Dwayne Rankin of the Arizona Republic, Suns will be without DeAndre Ayton and Kevin Durant tonight as well as Saturday night. When right. it comes, Monty Williams actually said that yesterday. So There we go. That's probably yeah. where he got it from. Uh, yeah. The Suns have a 2-1 lead in the series with the Kings as they play tonight. But a look at what's going on in the NBA West. You apparently now, you called it a, a clog, a glob, a glob. glob. It was a glob. glob. Glob, yeah. um, just three games separate fourth and 12th in the West right now. So everything really kind of does matter with some tough opponents on this back-to-back for the Suns because you had the Clippers beating the Thunder last night, 127-105. to Kawhi, 32 points on 13-15. Talk about efficient. Westbrook added in 24 points. This moves the Clippers into fifth. The Thunder tumble down to 11th. So when you look at the standings here, the Nuggets continue to be out in front, 49-24 and on the season. The Grizzlies at 45-27. and The Kings... 43 and 29 the Suns 38 and 34 the Clippers in fifth as I mentioned now creeping up at 39 and 35 the Warriors in sixth at 38 and 36 the Timberwolves 37 and 37 in seventh the Mavericks now in eighth at 36 and 37 the Pelicans in ninth at 36 and 37 the Lakers in 10th at 36 and 37 and the Thunder in 11th at 36 and 37. Yeah, and once again we had teams playing each other. Uh, you know, the the you know the Thunder they're in LA again. Uh, their next game is against uh, against the Lakers. So you know they get the the Clippers and the uh, Lakers back to back, and those are two of the teams you just mentioned. And somebody's going to lose that game. Uh, so that makes a difference. And in addition to that, I forgot who's playing tonight, but there's another. Two of those teams play each other. I'm just trying to scramble and look for the this. The Warriors uh, do play, but they play the 76ers tonight. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the two teams, uh, Oklahoma City and the Lakers tonight, and then the Clippers you know, the last night. So they're playing the each Suns other. The Suns and the Kings. Somebody's going to lose that game. I'm just talking about the teams that are behind the Suns because uh, the Suns aren't going to catch anybody ahead of them at this point. Right. So the the slate tonight is the Pacers and the Celtics, which doesn't matter because that's in the East, the Spurs and the Wizards, the Pistons and the Raptors, the Rockets and the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are ahead of the Suns, the Hornets and the Mavericks. Mavericks are behind the Suns, Bucks and Jazz, 76ers and Warriors, Bulls and Trailblazers, Suns and Kings and Thunder and Lakers. 
And Embiid's not expected to play tonight for the Warriors, which is why the Warriors are five-and-a-half, six-point favorites in that game. I also thought I heard, uh, in addition to him being questionable, that Harden was listed as questionable. I don't even know. I'm sure that matters. But I, mean, I don't know if that matters all that much in the point spread, quite frankly. Uh, Embiid does. I don't know if Harden really plays a big role, maybe a half-point tops at this stage of his Harden, Harden's career. Uh, so when it comes to the Suns tonight against the Kings, 7 p.m. on Bally Sports Arizona, and then on Saturday night, 7 o'clock, is hosting the 76ers. We'll also keep keep in mind if uh, Joel Embiid is making his return uh, for the 76ers in that contest on Saturday. But right now, it seems is- unlikely if he's not going to play in the first half of the back-to-back tonight against the Warriors. Right now, caller number three, 602-260-1060. It is the Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits gift card, $100 gift card to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. They're located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler, 602-260-1060 for the $100 gift certificate. Caller number three right now. The weekend specials, Butcher's Blend, 8-ounce beef steak skewers, two for $15. Prime pork country style ribs at $4.99 a pound and boneless 8-ounce chicken skewers, butcher's blend, or rosemary garlic at 2 for $12. 602-260-1060, the $100 gift certificate could be yours to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits to enjoy the wonderful weekend specials for all of the basketball hoops action going on. Located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. We'll wrap up hour number one of Extra Point next. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. Wrapping up hour number one of Extra Point on this Friday, March 24th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortellaro with you up until noon today in totality as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And as always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Right now, make sure that you're listening on the app, that you're registered. All you have to do is listen to us here on KDOS AM 1060 using that KDOS 1060 app, and you are eligible for the Superbook prize pack in addition to the $100 gift certificate that Superbook Sports is putting together for us. So it's a pretty simple operation. Um, Before we get back into some March Madness conversation and look ahead to the Elite Eight, we'll do that at the top of our number two. I do just wanted to update what's going on in the world of golf, the WGC Championships, uh, Dell Technologies match play from Austin Country Club. I had mentioned yesterday that tee times were going to be moved up in anticipation for some inclement weather. So you have a lot of finals already taking place today. Uh, You have... Victor Perez beating Adam Svensson five, five and four. You have Jason Day currently four up over Colin Morikawa through 12. You have Victor Hovland beating Chris Kirk four and three. You have Matt Kuchar. He was my guy uh, in the opening round to top Victor Hovland, and he's continuing some good play here. He's seven 
up through 11 on Siwoo Kim, who had previously won his first two matches. Our guy, Patrick Cantlay, who we have as an outright winner, he's continuing to play well. He's 2-0 and so far in the round robin portion of things, and he's one up through 13 right now on Brian Harmon. Uh, then when we continue to look down the board here, Rory McIlroy is all tied with Keegan Bradley through three. Uh, Shane Lowry beat Jordan Spieth two and one. And you had Mackenzie Hughes beating Taylor Montgomery six and four. Hideki Matsuyama, this is probably something to monitor as we uh, look ahead in anticipation to the Masters upcoming in a couple of weeks here. Hideki Matsuyama was seen kind of getting his neck worked on. He's been having some neck issues for the last couple of years now, and he ended up uh, conceding his match today to Max Homa. Didn't even get started due to the neck concerns. So Max Homa will be advancing into the elimination portion of things. Uh, then you have uh, JT Poston is four up through 11 on Maverick McNeely. Scotty Scheffler, who just continues his torrid pace of play, he's one up through nine on Tom Kim. And uh, then the other player that we certainly are keeping an eye on is Cameron Young. He has yet to get started, but he's playing Sepp Straka this afternoon. Another player who we had mentioned yesterday is not playing very well, uh, but yet when you look ahead, to the Masters. He certainly has the opportunity in the game to play really well there. It's suited for Augusta, but you might be off of him just based upon recent form. In addition to him, he conceded his match today to Ryan Fox due to an illness, talking there about Will Zalatoris. So we'll continue to monitor all of that. Uh, John Rahm is taking on Billy Horschel this afternoon as well. He has yet to tee off. When we look at the LPGA Tour, because it's happening right here in Arizona, Arizona at Superstition Mountain Golf and Country Club. The leader right now is Jenny Shin. She is at 10 under par, three under through eight holes today. Your uh, world number one, Nellie Corda, she is in a tie for 12th at six under par. She's four under through 10 so far in her round of golf. Uh, as we look to what the projected cut is, low scoring. Projected cut right now is three under par. So we'll see uh, as the conditions stay really nice out there uh, how how low everyone can go out at the LPGA Drive-On Championship. But more college hoops conversation on the other side of the break. We'll dive into the Elite Eight. We know at least a few of the matchups, so we'll try to figure out what directions to go, what the lines are, and uh, we'll dive into all of that. Plus, there's still a Desert Diamond Winner's Sports Bar $25 gift certificate available in today's program, too. It is all happening here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point.